Bibles, we're going to finish our series, Finished. Can we say that? Finished. I don't know if we can. So we're going to finish our series called Finished. Turn to Acts chapter 2 in your Bibles. That's where we'll be in other places, but primarily just stay in Acts chapter 2 for a second. And uh, today, to this morning, I wanted to look at, uh, in fact, I'm titled on this, Promises Kept. And I wanted to open with a story because I thought that would help us, um, but my family and I, we like to watch a show uh, usually it's on Sunday night. Uh, you know, Sundays are uh, for my kids. It's their Sabbath. Mine's on Monday and Jen's is on Monday, but my kids take a rest on Sabbath. So, uh, you know, they rest and, you know, we, uh, we're teaching them how to, how to Sabbath. Anybody know how to Sabbath? We're all learning, aren't we? So, uh, so anyway, we teach them how to rest. And so one of the things we do is we like to laugh together. And so on Sundays, we watch America's Funniest Home Videos sometimes. Uh, not every week, but most, most weeks we do. Uh, they really ask every week, but sometimes we just don't get there. But, uh, but on this week, we watched it, and there was this, uh, there was this clip, and it was really great. Uh, it was uh, around Thanksgiving time, and it was a, you know how you get the wishbone, and you dry it out, and that whole thing. So that was the setting. So there was this, they got the wishbone, and there was a girl. She was probably seven or eight, I don't know, a younger girl, and then the, the son was a little bit older. And so mom got the wishbone out and explained how it worked, because the little girl had never done it before. And so she explained, you know, if you get the bigger piece, you get a wish. And, and so explained all that. So they grab, you know, the girl grabs one side and the boy grabs the other you know and they're recording the whole thing and one two three and they pull and it snaps and uh and the girl actually won but she didn't know she won she thought she was like oh man and then then the family's like no no you won you got the wishbone and she's she got all excited and all you know she was really excited and then uh then she's just kind of waiting there's like a, a moment where you know, everyone's cheering and having a good time and then all of a sudden she goes mom where's my lollipop and mom's like what are you talking about and she said you said I get a wish, and I won, and where's my lollipop? And the mom was stunned because she didn't have a lollipop to give her. And she's, she was like, what do we do? And, she, and, the, and the little girl goes, you didn't keep your promise. You lied, mom. You said I would get a wish, and I won. My wish was for a lollipop. Where's my lollipop? And then the little boy, which is just great. I just love that they captured the little boy's like, yeah, mom, where's the lollipop? You lied, mom. And just going, and the mom's like, ah. And she's like freaking out and paranoid. And so the dad's recording it, and she's like looking into the camera like, what do I do? What do I do? Shut that thing off. Shut that thing. And then before it shuts off, the girl just starts bawling, crying, just upset. And so, you know, mom goes and consoles her. Meanwhile, she's checking the drawers, you know, trying to find a lollipop. Uh, but uh, but th that's the point is that, you know, the girl was so upset that mom didn't keep her promise. How many of you guys have had that in your life where someone didn't keep their promise? Very disturbing, especially if it's a lollipop. Amen? I mean, I'm just saying. It's just... So... Uh, now that's, I mean, that's a funny example, but that's the real world we live in. You know, how many of us, I think all of us, have, somebody has broken a promise to you. It hasn't been kept, and, uh, you know, depending on what that was, it can be very hurtful, be very painful. Uh, it can sit in your heart, it can sit in your spirit for years of your life. In fact, a lot of times, uh, what can happen is, is it, it really uh, takes the trust and, and it bends it. it. It creates something in your life where, uh, you begin not to trust people, depending on how hurtful or painful it was or whatever the experience was. Uh, you know, you just have this hesitation, don't you, to trust people. And it's because of broken promises. It's because that we've all experienced broken promises that we have this hesitation. Uh, well, the one, one thing that I know to be true, and what I want to talk about when we, when we talk about promises kept, one thing that really happens when uh, you're in that place where you've had a broken promise and you have hurt and you have pain and you have these things that happen to you as you take that experience and you put it on God. All of us do it. Maybe you don't realize you do it. 
but this is one thing that we teach in Kingdom Life is, uh, you know, depending if it's a parent or a dad, it's called the father ladder. Whatever happens to you a lot of times is uh, that experience or that pain or that hurt or that broken promise that, was, uh, that, was, that you experienced, that's the filter, the lens that you look at God through. Now, it's not true, and it really is, uh, uh, is not accurate at all, but that's what we do as people. Uh, and maybe you're sitting here today, and that's where you are. So when we say, hey, you just need to trust God, because of our experiences, we have a hard time trusting God because the only thing we see is our experience of broken promises. And so when I say promises kept, for many of us, it's probably difficult to say, hey, yeah, I'll, I'll trust God, because we really don't trust too many people at all. You know, prayerfully, you trust your spouse or those close to you, uh, but for many of us, even those relationships have been compromised, and we just really have a hard time trusting. And so today, I, I just want to help you uh, really talk about, uh, you know, not only that Jesus has been faithful, true and true. Uh, when I say that it's unfair because we're looking through our experience and we're putting that on God, uh, it's unfair from our side because God has been perfect. God has been faithful. God has never lied, he's never deceived, he's never broken a promise before, but because of our experience, we have an issue trusting God because we think that that's what we experienced here is true in heaven, although that is not the accurate uh, truth of, of really who God is. And so today, I just want to help you know why can we trust God. I want to talk about trusting God, but I, wanna, I want us to see why we can trust God. And you know, it's going to take a step of faith. In fact, Hebrews says you can't, uh, it's impossible to please God without faith. Uh, because we're, when you worship God or when God's the Lord of your life, there, there's a difference between God and people. There's a difference between God and human beings. Yes, Jesus came as a man, but he was also God. And so uh, there's a difference. And, and a lot of times when we're uh, in the flesh and we're just people, and by the way, we can be believers and be hurt as well. And we can be believers and we can break promises to one another. And a lot of times what that does is it really messes with our relationship with God. And so I just want to help us take that step to say, look, this isn't, it's not God's fault because somebody hurts you. But let's recognize that we all have been hurt. We've all been recipients of broken promises, but that's not from God. That's not God's, uh, you know, God didn't make that happen in your life. It's not, we can't blame God because someone broke their promise. That's really the, uh, in effect, that's because of what happened with sin. In fact, if you think about Adam and Eve, uh, just, let's just focus on Adam. If you think about what happened with Adam, it really was because of his distrust in God that we have sin. And it's because of our distrust in God that we've made poor decisions and we've sinned as well. Because God said, Adam, you can have, it's all yours, steward it all. But don't eat of this fruit of of this tree, or else what? You're going to die. And then the enemy, the serpent, the snake came and said, surely you won't die, right? And so Adam turned his trust away from God and put his trust on, which is distrust, on the enemy and said, surely I won't die. And he ate the apple, Eve did as well. And since that day, we've had sin, we've had pain, we've had hurt, we've had deception, we've had lie because the enemy's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy but maybe we're sitting here today and we distrust God because of all of these things, but realize and recognize it didn't happen because God, because God blessed Adam. God said, this is all yours. God gave everything to Adam. All creation was his to steward except for this one thing. And because of his distrust and then him trusting in somebody that deceived him and lied to him, 
Now we've experienced pain and hurt and deception and stealing and killing and destroying. Hurts, deep hurts. But recognize that didn't come from God. God came to give abundant life, and it's still true today. He's given you abundant life. But you also live in a world that's been impacted by sin. And we're going to encounter some hurt. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't keep his promises. It doesn't mean that God isn't true. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. So anytime you experience these things in your life, and I know they're hurtful and I know they're painful, and a lot of times we don't understand it, do we? If you're suffering a loss, or maybe uh, I know uh, I've talked to a few uh, couples that have experienced a miscarriage. Look, it's hard to understand all those things, isn't it? But it's because of sin that all of these things are in our world today. It's because of that original distrust and all of our distrust that the enemy has permeated sickness and disease and hurt and pain. And so this morning, as we look at promises kept, I want to talk about trusting God. I want to see, I want to just help us, uh, all of us, myself included, how can we trust God? You know, the definition of trust is this. It's a firm belief in reliability, truth, ability, or strength of someone or something. That's the definition of trust. Reliability, truth, ability, or strength. If you think about all of those words, First of all, belief. Jesus says you can't come to God without believing. Think about reliability. God has been totally reliable to us. If we think about truth, he is truth. If we think about ability, through Christ all things are possible. There's not an ability on the planet that God can't do. And strength, just the speaking words of Christ made everything you see today. So if you think about trust, the definition, it actually defines God. It actually defines who he is. And so this morning, I want you to see some, uh, I wanted to show you some instances in scriptures. Now, before I do, I thought uh, this would be another series. Kind of, this is what happens to me as I uh, not only study to speak, but as I study in general. But uh, I was kind of looking at, you know, uh, verses of, when we think of trusting in God, if you did a Google search or you did a concordance search or you did whatever you do when you study the Bible, if you looked at you know, trusting God, what you're gonna find in the scripture over and over and over and over again is that we need to trust God. Trust God with all your heart. Trust God with your understanding. And he'll surpass all your understanding. Trust God. It has to do with us trusting. Not God trusting us but with us trusting God. And so if you looked at trusting God, that's what you're gonna find. So if you wanna find, well, how do I know I can trust God? You have to look at a different word. In the Hebrew and Greek, but in the English, the word is faithfulness. How do I know I can trust God? Well, you have to look at the faithfulness of God. And it's a tremendous study if you wanna do this, if you wanna have some fun when you get home today. Study the word faithfulness in the scripture. The faithfulness of God in scripture. You're gonna find pages and pages and scriptures and scriptures and moments and moments in life where God has been faithful. In fact, one of those I wanted to share with you is between two guys. In Numbers chapter 23. Numbers chapter 23. How many of you guys have read Numbers? That's usually when you drop off and the, read the, year, the Bible in the year plan. You get Genesis, Exodus, then it starts going through a whole bunch of names and Numbers. 
and it's all over. But found in Numbers 23 is a, is a moment between two guys. One of them's a prophet of God, and one of them uh, is, a, is, a, is a leader. And is, one of them's name is Balaam, and one of them is Balak. And Balak wants Balaam to curse Israel. In fact, Israel's living in his nations and his pockets and his cities, and he takes Balaam up there and he says, hey, look, I want you to curse that nation right there. Three different times, he's, they, they come, and, and I think it's interesting that Balaam even went, but he did go and he said, look, build me an altar, make a sacrifice on that altar, and then I'm gonna go to God and then I'll, I'll bring back what God says. And so this is kind of what happens if you read Numbers 23. So he does that a couple times, actually three times. Two of the times he goes to God, and on the third time he doesn't have to go to God because the Spirit comes to him and speaks in him, which we'll talk about later. But one of the times he goes, this is what happens. He says, okay, I want you to curse these people. And here's the conversation, or here's what God tells Balaam in Numbers 23. He said, God is not a man, so he does not lie. He is not human, so he does not change his mind. He has never, he is, has he ever spoken and failed to act? Has he ever promised and not carried it through? Listen, I received a command to bless. God has blessed, and listen to this, I cannot reverse it. So I think this is an interesting conversation. This is actually what the, what the Lord put in him to say. Listen to what he says. He says, first of all, I can't lie. It's beyond our comprehension to understand that, isn't it? Because you and I, we've all lied. We've known somebody who's lied. And every one of us in this room has had somebody lie to us. So, again, so for us to say, well, because that's happened to me and to you and to all of us in this room, because somebody's lied to me, that means God lies. You see, it doesn't work. Because God cannot lie. He doesn't have the capacity to lie. He doesn't have the ability to lie. He can't be truth and lie at the same time. He's truth. He's never lied. And this is what I'm sharing with you. Why can we trust God? Because he doesn't, it's not like another human being. It's not like an experience you had. It's not like what happened to you at home or at work or in whatever situation that you're thinking about right now. It's not the same. We live in a fallen world, and because of that, sin has plagued us all. And because we've lived in this fallen world and sin has plagued us all, it doesn't mean that what you see here equates to heaven because it doesn't. And this conversation I love because this man is one of those people in the world who's living in sin and he's saying, hey, look, man of God, curse them. Curse them. He's telling this man of God to curse the same people that God blessed and the same people that God chose. And Ben says, I can't. I can't curse them. God does not lie. God doesn't change his mind. He loves Israel. Has God ever spoken something and failed to accomplish it? The answer is no. Has God ever promised something and not carried it through? The answer is no. Every promise God has ever spoken with a few exceptions that still need to happen. But everyone, especially when it comes to Jesus and the Messiah, we just celebrated the death, burial, resurrection, ascension, and... We'll talk about the promise kept of him sending the Holy Spirit as well. 
which was spoken in Christ and through Christ, but also spoken in the Old Testament as well. Every promise. God doesn't forget his promises, church. He never will forget his promises. He will always keep his promises. He does not lie. He's not like your neighbor, your friend, your coworker, your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad, you, me. He's not like us. He doesn't lie. Character, integrity, truth, reliability, all of those things that we see in the definition of trust, ability, strength, those are all God. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, 9, I told you, you got to study the word faithful. Here's what it says. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. 2 Thessalonians 3, 3 says, but the Lord is faithful who establish you and guard you from the evil one. There's some promises wrapped in there, by the way. God is faithful. He will guard you from the evil one. Sure, you're going to encounter even experience what the evil one is doing, but at the end of the day, you will live eternally with God, not with the evil one. God is faithful. His promises are true. You can trust him. Again, I know some of you have been hurt deeply. Some of you I, I know we've met with through our ministries. I've met with you. And you're hurting. You've got pain. You've got questions. You don't understand certain things. Not only do you have a God that doesn't lie and fulfills every promise he's ever given, but you have a God that's full of love and mercy and compassion. You have a God that values relationship. So much so Yes, I know, you know he sent his son to die for you, but so much so that he values relationships so much that relationship will be eternal. That this is the only thing he created that will, that will go on for all eternity. You know, everything else he created will be destroyed except for you and I. Except for those that follow God. You will go on forever in relationship for eternity. That's how much he values his relationship with you. His... So we can trust God. I love this about God as well. Even though, regardless of our mistrust, listen to this, God's been faithful regardless of our mistrust. Even though we haven't trusted God, he's been faithful. And I love that about God because we need that. You know, in John 16, 7, in fact, we're gonna start a new series about the Holy Spirit next week. Uh, we're gonna talk about the Holy Spirit in a second, but I'm gonna start a whole new series called He is Like next week where we talk about the Holy Spirit. But in John 16, 7, here's what he said. He said, it's to your benefit that I go away. It's to your benefit that I go away, that I send to the Father. Because when I go away, he will send the Spirit to you. It's to your benefit. Again, another promise from Jesus. Another promise he's kept. But I just want you to know that you can trust him. He's not like what you've experienced. He's not like the pain and the hurt. 
God is not out to hurt you. He's not out to harm you. In fact, you know that because you can, uh, I just did this with my daughter. She's doing a little devotional last night and it, it says, you know, what's, what's heaven gonna be like? Read Revelation 21. So we read, read Revelation 21, which reading that with a six-year-old is interesting and fun because it said, I'm, I'm gonna destroy the world. And she said, you're gonna take, God's gonna take my babies, her baby dolls. And I said, yes, he's gonna, he can't take my babies. I said, well, maybe you t- should talk to Jesus about that. But then we just talked about what heaven's going to be like. And she's like, Dad, there will be no sickness? No, no sickness. There will be no death? No, there will be no death. There will be no disease? No, no disease. It says there will be no sadness? That's right, hon, no sadness. And then in her own sweet way, people won't say bad things, hurtful things. No, people won't say bad and hurtful things in heaven. That's God, you can trust him. You're gonna spend eternity in a place that's not like where you live right now. That pain and that hurt and those lies and that deception and that stealing and that killing and that destroying, that's not from God. Sometimes you've gotta sit in this fallen world that we live in and we've gotta look to the God that we worship, and we've got to look at how faithful he is, how reliable he is, how trustworthy he is, how faithful he is, and we also have to look at when we live in eternity and we live in heaven with him, none of this I see will be there. And I don't know about you, but it helps me understand those deceptions and lies and the things that I see here, they won't be in heaven. So actually what I'm seeing this corruption and deception. What I'm seeing is a mess that was created because of sin. Which we can't point fingers and blame this person, that person, because we've all sinned. But I I just want to encourage you, there's going to be situations that we all go through that we just don't understand. Some of you have been through some terrible seasons and times in your life, more than I can even comprehend. I just need you to know that wasn't from God. Now, God can use those moments, and God can redeem those things, and God can breathe hope into those things, but the hurt and the pain that you experienced and the deception and the lying and the mistrust or the broken promises were not from him because he can't do that. It's impossible for him to do that. Let's talk about his promises that he kept, and maybe this will encourage you to keep growing in your trust to him. You know, Jesus tells us that one reason why we can trust him is because he gave a promise more than 2,000 years ago. But at, you know, let's just say when he came to earth and he spoke to the disciples, of course, he spoke about it in the Old Testament and Joel and other. But when he told the disciples, he said, look, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit. And for thousands of years, he hasn't stopped. Think about it. Every believer, from the moment that he rose from the grave... And let's not forget, the gospel isn't that Jesus just died on the cross, and I I don't want to say just as in it didn't mean something because it's the most powerful, most epic thing that ever happened. He died on the cross for our sins. He was buried in a tomb for three days. He rose from the grave, but that's not all to the gospel. The gospel doesn't end there. The gospel is that Jesus not only rose from the grave, but he appeared to people as well. As a risen Jesus, he appeared. He stayed on the earth 
I, I mean, nobody, first of all, nobody ever in eternity ever will be able to raise themselves from the dead. But the fact that the risen Jesus appeared to people for 40 days, for 40 days he stayed on the earth. You can read it in Acts chapter one and two. For 40 days he appeared to the, not only the disciples, but the same people that crucified him. Hey guys, imagine that. Imagine being a guard at the tomb that was sealed and they're standing in front of him and say, he got out somehow. You know, they made all these theories and concoctions and lies that they stole the body and all these different things. But can I just tell you something? Those theories sure blow away when he's standing right in front of you. Nobody wanted to see the resurrected Jesus than the Jews and the leaders and the guards and the, and the government that had him crucified. But for 40 days he appeared. People were putting their hands in the holes in his wrist and his side. You see, the gospel is all of those things. And it's not that he just appeared, but he ascended to heaven. That's important too, because if he doesn't ascend, what did he say? It benefits you if I go to heaven. I have to go to heaven for you to receive the promise that my shed blood. Look, the covenant always, always, always takes a sacrifice. The covenant was, I'm going to send you a helper. And for me to prove that promise for you, for me to seal that for you, I'm going to shed my own blood for this new covenant that the Holy Spirit will come to you and will live with you for all of your days. I'll never leave you or forsake you. The Holy Spirit will live for you. Look, in, in Balaam's case, that wasn't true. In Balaam's case, he had to go to God and then the Spirit would come and go. In fact, David would say, please don't take the Spirit from me because the Spirit would come upon him sometimes and then he would leave. But for us today, after Christ's ascension, he sent the Holy Spirit, and the Spirit lives with you forever. For the rest of your days on earth, the Holy Spirit will be in you. And in order for God to do that, he had to send a perfect sacrifice, a pure, spotless lamb, which means a life that never sinned, it was perfected, which was Jesus. And he was the lamb that was to be sacrificed for us. And Jesus said, this is my blood of the new covenant that when I ascend to the Father, I'm gonna ask the Father to send his spirit to you. And for thousands of years, that promise has been kept. Jesus has sent the Holy Spirit to millions and millions and millions of people all over the earth. And by the way, he's never missed one. Oh, I didn't know you really wanted the Holy Spirit. Oh, I forgot. I'm sorry. I was busy. I didn't hear your prayer. Never happens. Never happens. You can trust him, church. Look at how he kept this promise. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 1 through 7. This is Pentecost. Some of you are going, okay, this is going to get really weird really fast. But Pentecost simply means 50 days after Passover. There's a feast of Pentecost, or the fulfillment of Pentecost happens right here in Acts chapter 2. But Jesus was crucified on what feast? Passover. Passover. If you remember, and Moses, Passover was, or I'm sorry, if you remember when Israel fled from Egypt, Passover was when they passed over them. 
saved them and their children. Then Passover, the pure Passover, would be when the Messiah comes and he would be this pure spotless sacrifice for his people so that eternal separation from God would pass over us and we would live with eternity with Jesus, with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Passover is when Christ was crucified, when the Messiah was crucified, when the pure spotless lamb was crucified. Then he was on earth how many days after that? After three days in the tomb? Rose up how many days? 40 days. How many days from Passover to Pentecost? 50 days. You guys are doing great at math. So think about it. He was on earth for 40 days, then he ascended. So was there some time between when he left to Pentecost? Absolutely. And what did Jesus tell him? You stay in the upper room until, Pente- until the Holy Spirit comes. So for days, for days they waited. In one accord, in prayer and in unity, they waited. Of course, they were fearful and they were hiding and all of those things, yes. But God said, I promise you, I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit and he's going to come. You wait here till he comes. And by the way, you'll know when he comes. There will be no question when he arrives. And here's what happens. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, 7. On the day of Pentecost, on the day Pentecost was being fulfilled, all the disciples were gathered in one place. Suddenly they heard a sound, a violent blast of wind rushing into the house from out of the heavenly realm. The roar of the wind was so overpowering, it was all anyone could bear. Then all at once, one pillar of fire appeared before their eyes. It separated into tongues of fire that engulfed each one of them. They were filled and equipped with the Holy Spirit and were inspired to speak in tongues, empowered by the Spirit to speak in languages they never learned. Imagine that. Now, at that time, there were Jewish worshipers who have emigrated from all different lands to live in Jerusalem. When the people of the city heard the roaring sound, crowds came running to where it was coming from, stunned, over what was happening because each one could hear the disciples speaking in his or her own language. Bewildered, they said to one another, aren't these all Galileans? Here's what they were really saying. These guys aren't that smart to speak all these languages. <laughs> we just saw them last week. Peter was just saying they did, he denied Christ. That guy was just denying Christ and the rooster crowed and he turned all white. Remember? That was just a little bit ago. But now, but now, the promise kept. Jesus said, I will ascend, and I'll send the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit comes. And guess what? There was 120 people in the upper room, 120, and every single one of them were equipped and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Not just 12, all 120. And they went out, and they spoke. In fact, the same Peter that denied Christ, the same Peter that cursed at that young girl. The same Peter that heard the rooster's crow is now speaking and preaching and thousands get saved. How does that happen? Because the Holy Spirit came. And not only did he preach, but he preached in a language he didn't have seconds ago. And all the other disciples are speaking in different languages. In fact, I think I counted them I'll have to look at my Bible here. I wrote it in here. Let me see. Well, it's not in this one. It's in my other Bible. Sorry. But I think there's 15 languages or 18 languages that they're speaking. They all get different languages. They're preaching to the crowd. Some of them saying, ah, oh, they're drunk. 
But you know what the majority of you are saying? I'm making Jesus Lord of my life. 3,000 people were baptized that day. Thousands of people baptized. That's when the church began right there. Think about what Jesus said. Peter, you'll deny me. And he did. Think about what else Jesus said. Peter, on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And then Peter and all the other disciples are filled with the Holy Spirit. But then Peter speaks and the church begins. Not because Peter is cool, because Peter communicated the word of God. That's the rock the church was founded on, that Jesus kept his promise and sent the Holy Spirit, and then he spoke, and people, thousands, received Christ. The church began, and they began changing the world in crazy, crazy ways. Jesus keeps his promises. Now, let me ask you a question. Do you want the Holy Spirit? Is the Holy Spirit part of your life? By the way, he's God. We're gonna start a series next week. I'll talk more about, and we'll unpack more than that, but I, I just want you to see that not only did Jesus keep his promises, but he sent the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit changed everything. He changes everything. I said he, not it, he. He's God. And that God is living inside you and me. If you're following Christ, if you haven't received Christ, look, he's not in you, but he can be. And let me ask you this question. Can you have a relationship with Jesus and not listen? Sure can, can't you? You can give your life to Christ and you can fall away. You could not listen to God. Can you be saved? And not following the Holy Spirit? You absolutely can. You absolutely can. You know, in Acts, the disciples, after this moment, they went around telling everybody in Jerusalem, then in Judea, then in Samaria, then to the ends of the earth. Paul actually got saved right here in this moment. He wasn't one of the 12. He wasn't one of the 120 in that room. Actually, he was out trying to kill these Christians and he received the gospel and he gave his life to Christ and he received the Holy Spirit and he was forever empowered and transformed. And we have most of the New Testament because the Holy Spirit empowered Paul and the disciples and all of those there. And we have the Bible because of what the work of the Holy Spirit does. It was amazing what happened in their lives. And they went out and they, look, they weren't ashamed. They began telling everybody, this is what the Holy Spirit did. This is my last point. The Holy Spirit guides us. It guides us. It guided Paul. It guided them. It'll guide you. In fact, let's just read this and then I'll, I'll close. In John chapter 16. John chapter 16. This was the instruction Jesus gave the disciples and he gives us today. Starting in verse 13, he says this. However... When he, the spirit of truth, has come, he'll guide you into all truth. Everyone say truth. truth. How many of you guys are making some, made some bad decisions in your life? Maybe you're making some right now. Guess what? The Holy Spirit will guide you into truth. He'll help you. He'll guide you. 
It means that if, you, if God has sent you somebody to guide you to truth, that means you're probably not going towards truth right now. But the great thing about having the Holy Spirit and leaning and listening and submitting yourself to the Holy Spirit is he's taking you to truth. He's taking you, I want to trust God. Look, the Holy Spirit is what's going to help you trust God. He's leading you to truth. You and I are leading ourselves to distrust, to deception. Our flesh constantly chooses the wrong thing. We need the Spirit of God to guide us and help us and lead us into truth. And the more you grow in that relationship, then it becomes like Balaam, where he went to God a couple times, but then the third time, look, I know God. I know what he's going to say. I know his heart. This is what's amazing about your relationship with the Holy Spirit. He's there to guide you in the truth. He's there to guide you in the truth. And then you're going to remember the truth. He also says, look at this. He'll guide you in all truth, for he does not speak on his own authority. How about that? There's an authority of the Father, the authority of the Son, and the authority of the Holy Spirit. And by the way, there's never conflict. They're always in unity. But the Holy Spirit never speaks outside of authority. He always speaks what the Father and the Son speak. He doesn't ever speak a different message. And for us, we need that authority. We need that voice. When you hear God, you're hearing the Holy Spirit. You're hearing the Holy Spirit. When you're feeling convicted of something that you've done, conviction is a good thing. Condemnation is not a good thing. Conviction is a good thing. When the Holy Spirit said, hey, John, don't make that decision again. Maybe you say, hey, John, that was very stupid. Yes, it was. I'm sorry. Conviction is a good thing. He's saying, hey, look, that's not my heart. That's not what I have for you. That's not the blessing I have for you. That's not what I have for you. That's not what I desire for you. So it's the Holy Spirit that leads us into truth. He doesn't speak on his own authority. He speaks on behalf of the Father and the Son. But whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will tell you things to come. He will glorify me, Jesus speaking. He'll glorify the Son. He will take what is mine and declare it to you. How about that? He will take, listen to me, he'll take what is mine, Jesus speaking, what is mine and declare it to you. He's not, this is not, Jesus, you need to give me this because I want it. This is not materialism. This is not God. If you're God, then you'll give me that. No. The Holy Spirit will take what is Christ in his heart and he'll give it to you. And that's the way it should be. That's what we just sang. And just a few minutes ago, God, I just want you and nothing else. I just want your heart. I just want your understanding. I just want your knowledge. I just want your wisdom. I just want your blessing. That's it. Nothing else. I just want you. And that's the Holy Spirit says, I take what is mine and I give it to you. It goes on even further. All things that, are the, that the Father has are the Son's. Therefore, I said that he will take what the Holy Spirit will take, what is the Son's, and give it to you. So what's the Father's is the Son's, what the Son's is the Spirit's, and what the Spirit's that we're talking to is ours. It's that good, church, and it's that simple. Please don't complicate what God made so simple for us. Like we said last week, stop paying the mortgage when it's already been paid off. And so I just want to invite you One thing I realized when I gave my life to Jesus, I didn't know the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't anybody's fault, it was mine. 
Now, I will say it wasn't taught very often, but that's no excuse. Okay, it's no excuse. But this is the reality that we live in. This is the reality that the disciples lived in. There were many in Acts saying, John the Baptist I know, but the Holy Spirit I don't know. Jesus I know, but I don't know the Holy Spirit. And they walked around, and this is the gospel, church. The gospel is, yes, that Jesus came, died on the cross for our sins. Yes, died for our sins. Yes, he was buried in a tomb, and he rose from the grave. That's what we celebrate on Passover, that he rose from the grave. We celebrate on Easter. He rose from the grave. He's alive. And then he spent 40 days on earth revealing himself, showing himself to the disciples and many. And then he ascended to the Father and he sent the Holy Spirit to us to live and empower and dwell and guide and lead and help. That's the gospel, the whole gospel. You can't just take one piece or this piece or ignore this piece. It's all the gospel. And today I'm just telling you, there's many believers out there that don't have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. And while it's not okay, look, I understand maybe you're like me and you were just ignorant. And not in a negative way, you just didn't know. You never, you never looked for the relationship, you never tried. You never read the Word of God. Of course, teachings like this are helpful. We should be teaching the whole gospel. But today, if you're here and you didn't know the Holy Spirit, look, it's okay. Start today. Open your heart and say, Jesus, Holy Spirit, I want to know you. I'm sorry. I want to know you. You know, I'm sorry is a good thing to say to God when we've been negligent. He's been faithful to die and raise and descend and send the Holy Spirit. And we sit here and say, Why? Well, I just didn't know. Look, maybe you have good reason, but now's the time. If you just want to receive him today, there's an empowering from the Holy Spirit that only he can do. And if you don't want anything to do with him, you'll never understand. It's not that you're not saved, but the reality is God is always greater than we are. He has more strength than we do. He has more understanding than we do. He's smarter than we are. All things are possible through who? You? Me? No, through Christ who strengthens me. You see, it's through the relationship with the Holy Spirit. It's through the relationship with the Son. It's through the relationship with the Father. Look, we need to know. We need to understand. And look, if you're here today and you just don't understand, it's okay. Just come to a place and say, God, I'm ready. Just open your heart and say, God, fill me with your Spirit. I'm here today. I just, I didn't know. I didn't understand. Nobody told me. I I'd never read that before. But God, I, I'm committed to you now. Lord, Holy Spirit, I'm committed to you now. I'm submitting to you. I want you to guide me into all truth. I want you to convict me of things that I shouldn't be doing. I want you to show me things. I want you to bring what's his to me. I want to understand that. See, only the Holy Spirit can do that. No amount of knowledge, no amount of works, no amount of weirdness that you put on things. It's simply a relationship with the Holy Spirit and allowing Him, allowing Him to speak to you, to help you, to guide you, to love you, to bless you, to bring what's His to you.
But to do that, you just got to open your heart and say, God, I, I need that right now. So stand to your feet. I just want to close our services with a response. Be honest. I promise you there's nothing I can do. There's nothing these prayer teams can do, these altars can do. It simply is you acknowledging the Lordship of the Holy Spirit in your life. It's simply acknowledging saying, God, I didn't know you. God, I know that you've been faithful even though I, I didn't understand or maybe I didn't trust you. You've still been faithful. So right there in your seat, I just want you to close your eyes and I just want you to talk to God on your own. I'll lead you with a few things, but have your own conversation. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Lord, your word says, squander, don't squelch. Have I done that, God? Have I been seeking you? Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Have I allowed my experiences to hinder? Have I saw things? Have there been things that have happened to me that I've just pushed you away? If so, I'm sorry. Because I know you want nothing more than to bless me, to prosper me, to guide me into truth, to glorify the Son, to make you known to me. Holy Spirit, I open my heart to you. God, I give my heart to you. Holy Spirit, I give my life to you. God, I promise. And Lord, I may break my promise from time to time. But I know you'll always be faithful. And if I promise anything to you right now, God, I promise this. That my heart and my mind and my ears and my eyes will be open to you. From this day forward. Jesus, thank you for saving me. Thank you for fulfilling the promise of sending the Holy Spirit to me. And Holy Spirit, God, empower me. Show me what it's like to be one of your children. What it's like to speak for heaven. What it's like to share the good news with those that are hurting. God, give me your eyes. Give me your your fruits. God, in Galatians, you say that your peace and your love and your kindness and your gentleness and your self-control. And God, there's, there's times in my life when I'm not those things. But you are and you're inside of me, so you can help me. You can guide me. If I struggle with self-control, you can help me. If I struggle with patience, you can help me. If I struggle with love, you can help me. Mercy, you can help me. Kindness, you can help me. Lord, make me the man and the woman that you've created me to be. Make me the man or woman that the son died for. All things that are his, bring them into my heart right now in this place. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone said, amen. If you want prayer for anything at all, I want you to come forward. But listen, if you're here today and you just feel like you need more of God. You need the Holy Spirit to reveal himself to. You need to grow in that relationship. You need to receive him. Look, if you're here today and you haven't received Christ, you've got to start there. In Acts, look, it happened in multiple ways. Some people got saved and received the Holy Spirit at the same time. 
look, God doesn't care. He's not concerned about you connecting the dots or understanding the whole picture. He's concerned about you having a heart to say, yes, I want you. I want more of you. Every part of you. If you're here today and you received Jesus years ago, but you've never opened your heart to the Holy Spirit, you can do that today. That happened in Acts. They walked around. Jesus, I know, but I don't know the Holy Spirit. Look, now's your time. Now's your time. There's nothing you have to do except for open your heart and receive. Just open your heart to receive. See what God will do. I believe some of you will. God's going to drop that gift of prophecy, of healing, of <coughs> words of knowledge. <clears throat> some of you will get the gift of wisdom. Look, and it's not like a one-time download. It's not like you get all those things at one time and you just go off. Look, there's, there's moments, there's moments in your life where God gives you this gift and that gift. Look, just be open at all times, at all moments, and all seasons. There's going to be a moment when you need the gift of healing. There's going to be a moment where you need the gift of, of encouragement or prophecy. There's going to be a moment when you need a word of knowledge. There's going to be a moment when you need a word of wisdom. There's going to be a moment where all of these things are applicable, but God knows, and He's right here inside of you. So just respond. And that's what Jesus meant. I take up my cross daily. Here's what it means. Holy Spirit, I turn to you every day. I trust you every day. And so prayer teams, come on up. And as we sing the song, I want you to respond. If it's for the Holy Spirit, come. If it's for anything, sickness, disease, anything you're going through, look, prayer is the cornerstone of our faith. It is a relationship with God we have. So come and pray. And let's sing together at any time. You're not disrupting. You can come at any time. Come and pray. We love you. We're praying for you. We believe with you. And I love you guys so much. I'm so thankful to be living this out with Christ and with you. Isn't it a blessing? This is the abundant life Jesus promised. His promises are always kept. God bless. Let's worship.